Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Tuesday, February 11th. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. Voters head to the polls in New Hampshire in the nation's first presidential primary. Tensions growing between frontrunners Senator Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg. Growing outcry after the president's 2021 budget is released. That budget looking to strip nearly $1 trillion from the Affordable Care Act and Medicaid. And more than 1,000 people now dead from coronavirus in mainland China. The latest on the growing outbreak and what can be done to stop it. This and much more today on You News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin this hour with the race for the White House. The first in the nation primary is underway in New Hampshire as voters weigh in on the Democratic presidential field. And in true New Hampshire tradition, the first voters cast their ballots at midnight in the tiny community of Dixville Notch. Carolina Sarasa explains. Hoping to clinch a win, Bernie Sanders overnight with a rock concert rally before an energized young crowd. Let us go forward. Let us have the largest voter turnout in the history of the New Hampshire primary. Let's win this thing. Let's transform America. Sanders is leading the pack in the New Hampshire polls, a state he won in 2016 by 22 points. But nipping at his heels... Pete Buttigieg, the former South Bend mayor who pulled off a strong finish in Iowa. We cannot risk alienating Americans at this critical moment. And that's where I part ways with my friend Senator Sanders. But Senator Amy Klobuchar is also on the rise after her breakout debate performance. As you've probably heard, we're on a bit of a surge. She's drawing her biggest numbers yet. In Exeter, New Hampshire, an overflow crowd peeking through the door. If you are tired of the extremes and the noise and the nonsense, you have a home with me. And I'm someone that's been able to knit together fired up Democratic base plus independents plus moderate Republicans. Senator Elizabeth Warren is looking for a much needed strong finish. My first name is Sanders. Sanders, nice to meet you. I'd say I'm Sanders for Warren. Sanders for Warren, I love it. Also fighting for every vote. Former Vice President Joe Biden. I'm Joe. It's good to see you. I know you're Joe. <laughs> Biden plummeting in a new national poll out Monday, the first time he's trailed Sanders. Stick with me 24 more hours, and I promise you, we're going to do just fine heading south and across this country. We're going to win this nomination. Carolina Saraza, U News. And now just a quick fact for you, no Democrat since the 1970s has placed lower than second in New Hampshire and then become the nominee. And for more on what's going on in Manchester, New Hampshire, let's go straight to Fabiola Galindo. She's there with the very latest. Fabiola, what can you tell us at this time? Hi, Andrea. How are you? Well, here in the uh, voting site where we are located right now, what we've seen a big flow of voters coming in this morning. Many of them hadn't made a decision until reaching this place. Many of them just made a decision last night. New Hampshire voters are well known for being late deciders. That's why the results could be, well, uh, very different from the polls. Now, of course, uh, many surprises here in the tiny elections, uh, candidates that weren't even in the ballot, like, for example, former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg, was, uh, his name was written in so many of the ballots over there. These are rural elections, actually, but it, they are symbolic in a way. Now, we did talk to 
uh, like I said, many uh, voters that had just made up their mind as they were reaching the poll. This is what they had to say. I really hope so, because I was worried. I was like, well, should I vote for Pete? Because I was like, I don't know if they're going to elect a woman this year, but I really hope that they do. So that's why I'm just going to stick with voting for Amy instead of Pete, because she did well over the overnight voting in New Hampshire. And so I'm going to vote for her, hope that she beats Donald Trump. The turnout for this year is expected to be around 280,000 voters are expected to come out and vote, actually, a little bit more than in the past elections in 2008. So really, the results, like I said, uh, the polls are showing that uh, some of the favorite candidates are Bernie Sanders, the senator from Vermont, and also former mayor uh, Pete Buttigieg. But really, the final poll are, uh, I would say, the final uh, results that are expected later tonight. The polls close at 7. By the time we would expect at least the preliminary results. Andrea. Fabiola, we are hearing that Joe Biden is apparently leaving New Hampshire, skipping his election night party, and instead heading to South Carolina. Why is that? Yes, Andrea, apparently the campaign of Vice President Joe Biden has decided to not wait for the results here in New Hampshire. Maybe they are anticipating a defeat since he's been very uh, in fourth place in the polls. He's basically going to travel early to South Carolina, a much more diverse uh, state. Obviously, he has said that he's looking forward to the diversity in other states. They are going to be working those voters over there and actually uh, other states like Nevada caucuses are also coming up. And like I said, it could be a move by the Biden campaign, which probably are expecting a comeback in other states along the race. As we know, this is just the beginning. So we'll know later on, later on who could be the front runner. Andrea. There is still a long road ahead. Thanks so much, Fabiola Galindo, reporting from Manchester, New Hampshire. And back in Washington, the president's new budget proposal for fiscal year 2021 is guaranteed to see pushback from the Democratic-controlled House. President Trump asking Congress for more money to fight illegal immigration and expand nuclear capabilities while cutting back on federal safety net programs for the poor like Medicaid, food stamps and the Affordable Care Act. Lorraine Casares explains. On Monday, White House aides delivering the president's 2021 budget proposal to the House committee. The $4.8 trillion proposal features major $300 billion cuts and eligibility changes in federal safety net programs for the poor, like Medicaid, food stamps, and disability claims. We're not touching Medicare. We want to keep Medicare. We're not touching Social Security. Uh, we're making our country stronger again. We're not decreasing Medicaid. For the fourth time since taking office, the president is proposing eliminating subsidized federal student loans and the public service loan forgiveness program, which allows public sector workers like teachers, nurses and social workers to apply for loan forgiveness after making payments for 10 years. A priority for the president is boosting military spending, arguing the United States has no choice but to increase spending to its nuclear programs due to competition from Russia and China. We're uh, 
we're going to have a very good budget with a very powerful military budget because we have no choice. He is also asking Congress for more money to crack down on undocumented immigration, asking for $2 billion to build 82 miles of border wall, $180 million to hire 750 Border Patrol agents and build processing centers, also $544 million to hire 4,600 Immigration and Customs Enforcement agents and prosecutors. The budget proposal, which recycles previously rejected cuts, could mark the beginning of a new fight with Congress, imposing an immediate 5% cut to non-defense agency budgets, something that goes against two previous budget deals he signed after a hard-won battle with Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Under his plan, military operations overseas would be slashed, saving the U.S. $567 billion in the next 10 years and redirecting the money towards making his 2017 tax cuts permanent law. The president also wants to cut the budget for the CDC, but we would redirect some of that money for the infectious diseases unit. Also, the budget for the EPA will be affected, cutting 50 programs and 26% of that budget. Back to you. Thanks so much, Lorraine Gassidis, for that latest information. Meanwhile, as proceedings continue in the wake of the Russia probe of the 2016 election, a sentencing recommendation for Trump ally Roger Stone. At first, prosecutors said the one-time informal advisor to the president should spend seven to nine years in prison. But after President Trump called it a, quote, very horrible and unfair situation on Twitter, there are now new reports that the Justice Department is backing away from that recommendation. Stone was convicted on seven charges related to Russia's interference back in 2016. They involved lying under oath, obstructing Congress and tampering with a witness. Stone's lawyers have asked for probation. A federal judge is putting the sentencing of former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn on hold indefinitely. Flynn was supposed to be sentenced on February 27th. The reason? He's giving lawyers more time to hash out whether prosecutors can use Flynn's former attorneys against him. Flynn has already pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI about his contacts with the Russian ambassador in 2016, but he's now trying to withdraw that plea, claiming his former counsel pressured him into taking a plea deal. Now to the growing outbreak. A new coronavirus case has been confirmed right here in the U.S. And we are talking about one of the Americans evacuated from Wuhan in China who came down with the virus in California. Meanwhile, the number of cases worldwide continues to soar. San Diego, California is now the site of the 13th confirmed case of coronavirus in the U.S. After an adult tested positive while undergoing further testing at the federal quarantine at MCAS Miramar. This unfolds as tension rises on board a cruise ship in the port of Yokohama in Japan. So far, at least 135 cases confirmed there. Of those, as many as 20 are Americans. The ship's captain and crew are taking extra precautionary measures, announcing more outside time for guests without windows. Just as of yesterday, they brought us new masks. These are a little bit more um, thicker, a little bit more sturdy, intense, whatever. And they want us to now wear these when we open the door 
to get our food, anytime we open the door to get anything. Globally, the virus has sickened more than 40,000 people, the death toll rising to more than 1,000, nearly all of them in China. Infectious disease expert Anthony Fauci believes the outbreak in China is far larger than the numbers that are being reported. Bottom line, there's a really serious problem in China. This virus is spreading rapidly and it is not being controlled adequately. China's President Xi Jinping was spotted wearing a mask and speaking to medical professionals while on a containment survey. And in Hong Kong, authorities evacuated 100 people from an apartment complex after two people who were separated by 10 floors both tested positive for the virus. Officials suspect a bathroom renovation caused air to escape through a pipe. And check out these images coming out on Chinese social media. Teams of people in hazmat suits seen dragging a family from their apartment after they reportedly refused to self-quarantine. This while some citizens criticize the government on the shortages of masks and protective clothing. The spread of the virus is also taking a toll on the economy. China is urging countries that have enacted travel restrictions aimed at curbing the outbreak to restore normal ties for the sake of the global economy. Last night, President Trump addressing the situation at a rally in New Hampshire. I spoke with President Xi and they're working very, very hard and I think it's going to all work out fine. Rough stuff, I tell you, rough, rough stuff. But as the virus spreads beyond China, the search is now on for a so-called super spreader. His name is Steve Walsh, a businessman from England who traveled to Singapore and then France, the UK and his local pub. Officials suspect he may have passed the virus to at least seven different people, and it's believed he has now recovered from the coronavirus. Royal Caribbean reports it has ended its general restriction on passport holders from China, Hong Kong and Macau. On Saturday night, tests came back negative for the coronavirus for a group of guests on Anthem of the Seas' most recent sailing. The ship sailing out of New Jersey departed on Monday, February 10th instead of Friday as originally scheduled. In immigration news later this month, the U.S. government will begin implementing the new public charge rule that will make it harder for low-income immigrants seeking to come to or trying to remain legally in the United States. Luis Mejid explains the new changes and how they will impact people who rely on public assistance. A tourist visa will not be enough. Starting February 24th, the immigration agent that meets you at the airport will have even more power to decide whether to let you into the country or not. The new public charge rule will allow the government to ban people who might become a public charge in the future. Public charge has always been a term that has been um, in the books. Uh, but for now, we've seen that they are start taking effect and, and taking them into account to deny immigration benefits. The thing is, the public charge rule does not only affect those who have used public benefits in the past, it also reaches those who, at the discretion of the immigration officer, may have to use them in the future. In the past, immigration made sure visitors had a return plane ticket and enough economic means for the state. Now they can go even further, considering age, health and educational level. Jose Hill always wanted his sister to visit the family, but now he's having second thoughts. 
The critics say the government is discriminating against poor and elderly. The government, on the other hand, does not want to end up paying the bill. In San Francisco, Luis Mejit, U News. More of U News after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The Senate will turn itself into a courtroom. The private border fence is being installed. A police officer and three people were killed inside a Jewish supermarket in Jersey City. U News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. U News on Fusion. Welcome back to U News. Thousands of supporters of Maduro's government in Venezuela marched in the capital of Caracas on Monday, demonstrating against recent U.S. sanctions targeting a state-owned airline. Demonstrators carried large Venezuelan flags and banners in support of Nicolas Maduro and shouting messages of support for their government. The sanctions were announced after President Trump welcomed Venezuela's opposition leader Juan Guaidó at the White House just last Friday. And speaking of Guaidó, the opposition leader said he is returning to Venezuela, quote, soon. According to a video posted on his Twitter account late Monday, Guaidó left the country in mid-January to have multiple meetings with international leaders. He attended the State of the Union address last week and had an Oval Office meeting with President Trump. Guaidó's political tour came in defiance of a travel ban imposed on him by Nicolás Maduro. Elsewhere in Latin America, check this out. Visitors at an amusement park in Chile were trapped on one of the attractions in Santiago. It all happened on Monday. That mishap leaving them suspended in the air for at least 15 minutes. The amusement park, Fantasilandia, reported that a very short power failure caused that ride to stop abruptly. No one was injured, fortunately, and electricity was quickly restored following that incident. Scary indeed. And in Cuba, the Archbishop of New York held mass at Havana centuries-old cathedral on Monday as part of a six-day mission visit to the island. That trip designed to unite the two countries through worship. Cardinal Timothy M. Dolan shared mass with Cardinal Juan Garcia Rodriguez. Several Cuban government officials also attended mass. Cardinal Dolan said he hoped his visit would bring the love and respect of the people of the United States for the Cuban people. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.